Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Humans are weird. Enough, C4. And Commander Grimes agreed that he analysis, sir, the young human was explaining. Commandant Toils idly wondered, not for the first time, why the humans were forcing themselves into that rigid, death-like posture while giving his report. All the humans who came before him did it. He wondered if he was curious enough about it to look up the reason in the human behavioral archives. He realized the human had ceased talking, leaving only the soft pulsing of the great central fluid and gaseous pumps of the mammals to fill the room with ambient sound. Deciding that the human wished a response, the commandant raised his primary gripping appendage in what he hoped matched the human's placating body language. He did not want to frighten the young ranger. So to summarize, Commandant Twills began, you observed a rapidly reproducing species that had infested the ship and determined through practical experimentation that the infestation could not be eliminated or controlled. The human popped his cranial mass once quickly to confirm the statement. His skin flashed with the rainbow colors. The spectrum indicated sick horror and shame that the Commandant was any judge of human character. The great pumps began to work faster and then fell out of unison as the human used the gaseous pumps to maintain control over the fluid one. The commandant would have liked to attempt to soothe the human, but he was afraid to condescend the youngster, so he continued, but added a reminder to his summary. You are not being chastised for your choice, Ranger. Commandant Twirls assured him. The species was identified, and it was a non-sapient replicant threat. The Central University confirms the field assessment that you performed. Now, you evacuated the lower section of your survey ship and detonated the entire ship's supply of human explosives designated C-4 in the afflicted section. Plus the stuff that we were carrying out of Gamma Base, the human added. Twirls noted with relief that the human was displaying less stress and some colors of pleasure even played across the stripes of his face. Though the concept that remembering a giant near-fatal explosion was the cause of this pleasure was disturbing. Indeed, you detonated the supply and destroyed the central reproductive chamber of the infestation. This further exposed the interior of that section of the ship to open space. Yes, sir, the human replied. Here is the one question the council has, Tolls began gently, and do recall that we are not going to ultimately override the decisions of our field agents in such a situation. You did preserve all the lives of your crew and protected the local inhabited sector. However, we do not want to understand the logic of the next step. I understand, the human stated. For the record, then... Commandant Twirl said, Your own analysis shows that you believe the threat had been eliminated by the use of C-4. Why then did you jettison the infected portions of the ship and take the next steps to record it in the log? We didn't think the C-4 was enough, sir, the human replied. I mean, uh, 
There's always a chance that one of the sub-queens had laid an egg cyst in a hard-to-reach place, and we decided that the risk of one of those hatching halfway home wasn't worth the reward of having an added stability of a lower superstructure and supplies that were left after the detonation. So, uh, you jettisoned the segment of the ship, the commandant concluded, running his trained reading appendage over the report that he was laying on. Sent it on a collision course with an asteroid, then voided the contents of your backup power supply, causing a nuclear detonation when the supply collided with the asteroid and jettisoned section. The human space blanched so deeply that the pulsing blood vessel network was visible under the stripes. It was the only way to be sure, sir, he muttered. End of story. Story number two. Humans are weird, surfs up. Written by Betty Adams. So, uh, this is what you and Steve has been saving up for the printer time for. Twist under observed as he ambled over to the polymer surface. Do you have any idea of what it is? 35 clicks asked from above. No, Twist under replied as he reached an end of the draping a gripping appendage over the pointed tip. Then why did you request permission to inspect it? The winged asked. Human Steve was giggling while he made this, Twist Under explained. And what does that have to do with the density of the midges over the water? 35 clicks asked. Twist Under mused for a moment before replying. Oh yes, you're new, the undulate said. 35 clicks bristled in a front, but the undulate simply continued his minute inspection of the human creation. The wind released a loud irritation and fluttered over him in curiosity. I think it looks like a floating colony pontoon, 35 clicks offered, but larger. It is very broad for such a function, but on reflection I must agree, consented Twistunder. And what do you think of these protrusions? He indicated at the three triangular forms that rose out of the blunt end of the thing. Stabilizers, 35 clicks said with confidence, to reduce rolling. Not all species have the concept of up, you know. We have a concept of resistance gravity, Twistunder protested. It just doesn't mean all that much to us. Sure, sure. The winged landed on between the protrusions and experimentally nudged one with a winged claw. Strong, but small in proportion to the rest of the float. Indeed, Twistunder said. Odd that they printed it just now, 35 clicks observed. With that wind coming in from the Great West, we certainly can't fly, and even you swimming types have declared the best hunting estuaries unsafe. The force of the waves on this world would crush us, Twisunder affirmed. I doubt even the famous internal skeleton of our human friends could withstand the blows. So, uh, why now? 35 clicks asked, and growing uneasiness. I was concerned, Twisunder admitted, but your observations on the inadequate size of the stabilizers offers an unclenching explanation. Unclenching? 35 clicks asked. It relieves my tension, Twistunder replied. This is no doubt only a component of a larger craft. Human Steve is no doubt building in sections as he saves up enough time to print out all the parts. That makes sense, 35 clicks replied. Consider me unclenched. That is not how the word is used, Twistunder said with some affront. Thirty-five clicks was about to reply when human sound of joy that was far too similar to an emergency alert Claxton tore through the base. Human Steve burst into the storage room, his bronze skin gleaming, or several square meters of it. 
Thirty-five clicks stared in wide-eared shock as the mass of nearly imperceptible furred dermis. Human Steve was wearing nothing but a small pair of undergarments as he swept up the float. Twistunder had somehow found the speed to slip off the side before this and seemed less shocked than thirty-five clicks as they watched the human disappear out the door and the giant float balanced on top of his head as if it were nothing. Twistunder never stopped moving. He prodded the stunned winged as he shuffled. I will contact the medic, Twistunder said. You get on the cultural database and find out what, in the name of Mother's Colony, serves up little dudes means... End of story. Story number three. Humans are weird. National pastime. Will this ever end? Human friend Esther cried out in a wail of agony. Fourteen sister laid her frill back and reminded herself that she needed this employment. She was fully bolted. She was perfectly capable of putting up with the human idiosyncrasies. Are you referring to this particular stretch of the path? Fourteen sister asked, more to stop the nymph-like chattering and of her companion. Ugh, no, human friend Esther replied. It levels out just around the corner. I mean, the psyche. Why is it so long? Did you not choose this route when we were planning our excursion? Fourteen sister asked. Yeah, yeah, human friend Esther said with a dismissive wave of the hand. You've never been in this neck of the woods before. I've done this hike three times. I swear, it gets longer each time. Are you suggesting? Fourteen sister demanded, her frill laying flat against her shoulders in irritation. That someone has come out in the time since your last visit and reconstructed the course of this path. What? Friend Esther glanced at her that tightened the twin flap in the skin binocular eyes. No. No, I mean, it just feels like it. I swear you have to be mad to make this a pastime. Fourteenth sister coiled her antenna and fell silent as she tried to pass that statement. While there was a possibility that human friend Esther was questioning her sanity, Fourteenth sister experienced the date suggested it was some colloquialism. Still, the rules of deep space exploration did dictate that she follow up with such a suggestion. Are you suggesting that my mental health is impaired? Fourteen sister asked. Huh? Human Esther said, glancing back at her with an unfocused look that was so very disturbing on a species that so obviously was designed to focus. You suggested that anyone who would make climbing this trail a pastime was mentally unstable. Fourteen sister explained. I've chosen this as a pastime. No, no, human friend Esther said with a laugh. Just a slip of the tongue, in case I'd be right nuts too. I'm invited you along here after all. Yes, you did, Fourteen Sister observed. I'm beginning to wonder why. You make a great hiking companion, human friend Esther said. Not that I mind carrying the cuddle mops or the halbats, but you know, it's just got just free, um, travel, without having to constantly think about not having to sit on someone you know. You could simply request that your companion not use you as a resting surface, Fourteen Sister suggested. Nah, the human friend Esther said, wouldn't want to offend the little cuddle buggers. Besides, you can nearly keep up. Nearly, Fourteen Sister arched an antenna in query. Yeah, human friend Esther went on, and the little bit you do slow me down is a nice break from the lung-popping hill. Horror rippled through her frill in the image that conjured. 
the massive inflatable human lungs of such volume that they double as buoyancy organs would indeed pop spectacularly. You do not need my presence to justify traveling slowly, Fourteen's sister pointed out, desperately, trying to rid her imagination of that. Uh, this is recreation. What would I complain about then? Human friend Esther asked. Fourteen's sister actually stopped in her tracks as she passed that. You wish... You, you desire a reason for complaint? She asked. Human friend Esther glanced back at her with the strange contortion called a smile playing over a human space. Complaining's a national pastime from where I'm from, human friend Esther replied. Gotta keep in practice. Fourteen sister resumed her pace and began counting the days until her period of service was over. End of story. Story number four. Humans are weird. Boredom. Written by Betty Adams. Master Linguist The hesitant voice pulled the linguist's attention away from his work on the datapad beneath him and up to the young one who had crouched at the door. The Master Linguist let his vision slide over the youth, taking in the tightly howled legs and the thorax pressed tightly to the floor. The apprentice linguist was nervous, excited, and uh, probably shocked. Please come in and loosen, the Master Linguist urged him. The apprentice came forward with a jerky movements and made a brave show of attempting to relax. The master linguist tucked his data pad away and moved over to run a soothing leg over the top of the apprentice's thorax. When the young one had sufficiently calmed, he began to loosen and rose to a more comfortable stance. You told me that some of the greatest cultural discoveries happened not when you find the words that match, but the words that have no direct translation. The ones that we have to write whole paragraphs to describe. Yes, the master linguist agreed. And why is this? Strange words describe strange ideas, the apprentice quoted. If they give it a word, it is very important to them. If we did not, then it is elementally alien to us. And you think you found one of these critical words? The master linguist urged him on gently. The apprentice waved his foreleg in a distracted agreement, and the master linguist stiffened a bit. If it was not for the trepidation of bearing an astonishing claim to a skeptical superior, what was causing his distress? The humans, um... The apprentice began. The master twitched. Oh, of course it was the humans. They have a word that means that they are suffering because there is not enough threats in their immediate environment. The soldiers in the space, uh... They, um... They say that they're, uh, bored. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And, if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.